Know what it is like to live with a smile, masking pain, and hurt so deep there aren't enough drugs to cover it up? Today, death, drugs, and church with Jeff Bryant. Welcome to Church Hurts and the good, the bad, and the ugly about church, religion, and spirituality with a dash of recovery thrown in. If you've ever had questions about the jerk, maybe a bit jaded in your attitude toward religion, well, you've come to the right place. Our host, he was an honors philosophy student, ordained a Presbyterian minister, planted three churches, taught at a prestigious university, but now, now he's just an aging curmudgeon who never quits asking the question why. The host of Church Hurts and Dr. John Bash. It is hard to imagine, but there was a day when in the selection of marriage, uh, marriage partners, they began with the assumption that you would choose someone from your own ethnic identity and religious affiliation. This wasn't a problem for those whose lives were completely surrounded by only such people anyway. The Dutch married Dutch, Scots married Scots, Mexicans married Mexicans, Chinese married Chinese. Notice how I started with national identities, because you know it gets messier when yet we add religion into it. Surely a nice Scottish lass raised in the Church of Scotland wouldn't want to marry a Roman Catholic Scot of all things, would she? If this were a discussion group, all of you'd be ready with stories of your own. You know someone whose parents were horrified when he married a Russian girl and at the wedding, dot, dot, dot. These are stories that include way too much relational pain, generational conflict, historical changes, and cultural metamorphosis. They are hard to understand, more challenging to live, and often produce irreconcilable damage to children who find it all just stupid. So let's cut beneath all of those external, cultural, national, and religious labels and dive into the home. Here we have a happily married couple with three children. Issues arise as they always do, some more significant than others. How does the couple navigate these challenges as they turn to their important fundamental values? She thinks church would help if they would go together as a family. He's not surprised because she's always been a bit more spiritual than him. Go ahead, honey, take the kids. But, but I'd like you to come with us, she implores. To say the least, he isn't tempted. Years go by with the script remaining the same. He misses that the issue isn't about church at all, really. His wife longs for faith to play a part in their marriage, their family, their decisions. The bickering between the two of them becomes more commonplace. The once passionate love affair turns into an endurance race, finding ways to avoid the growing gap between them. Now what? Let's find out. Welcome Orange County entrepreneur and wife, Jeff and Shannon Bryant to Church Hurts and. Hi, John. Jeff, uh, business is booming. Uh, tell me what you do and why is it so busy? Uh, well, I have two companies, um, uh, one that we've had for about 30 years, and me and my wife have worked together in it since the beginning. 
And that's a service company that does carpet, tile, air duct cleaning. And uh, started a new company about a year and a half ago where we actually manufacture air duct cleaning equipment. And right now, uh, with COVID, post-COVID, you know, in the middle of it, um, you can imagine everybody wants to get their ducts cleaned or everybody wants to start a business cleaning air ducts. So both companies uh, have just uh, skyrocketed. You know, that's a line I've never heard before. Everyone wants to get their ducks cleaned. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Shannon, tell us somehow Jeff has dragged you along on his business ventures. We're going to talk a little bit about more about them, but how's it feel like you're, you're in every one of these businesses, aren't you? Yes, I am. Um, I'm not quite sure how we how he did that, but, um, I've really supported him, you know, with most of the decisions that he's made for his life. Um, but, um, I don't know, it's, it's been tough and it's been exciting to see what God has done in our business. And it's been a fight and, but there's good days and bad days. And, but it also, when my kids were growing up, I was able to be more at home. So I didn't have to put them in daycare. I would be able to be with them. And so that was important to me. I just know, I remember, and we have a personal relationship and more about that is going to come out. But um, I just remember you always, the phone was on your hip or in your ear. It didn't matter if it was the football field or a restaurant. Um, many people say marriages can't survive, but but let's get into what life was like growing up. Jeff, start with you. Somehow Alabama always gets into your story, but you're a California guy. What was yeah. life like growing up? Well, my dad and my dad's family was all from Alabama. And with the last name Bryant and somehow distant related to Paul Bear Bryant, uh, that uh, that's how it all began. And I was, I was actually uh, born there, but came, but my dad uh, went to school out here. So my dad, for fun, I think, would send me back to Alabama for summers. And these weren't vacations. So, you know, I, I have cousins with shrimp boats in Balabatri. I had my Uncle Emmett. Uh, with a shrimp boat where he built shrimp boats. So there was always work to do in, in the heat of the summer in Alabama. So, uh, yeah, and they loved playing with me, the California boy that would roll in for a couple of months. And you can imagine my uh, southern cousins love that. <laughs> so, and, and but tell me a little bit about um, your dad. He was quite the entrepreneur, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, my dad was very educated. The only Bryant uh, out of that group, my my grandfather's family, which there was eight kids, uh, he was the only one that that went to college and graduated, uh, dual master's degree, had his law degree in Alabama, and also was a gospel quartet piano player (laughs) growing up. He was a Marine. He played the accordion. He was an incredible musician. Uh, Just for business, he was the best businessman I've ever seen. He he could turn anything in real estate into gold. And and consequently, he built a very large company in the late 70s, 80s uh, that was a real estate syndication company. And, and Shannon, uh, you, you had more of the spiritual home, didn't you? 
Yes. Um, um, my dad was a pastor, so I was a PK growing up until the age of seven. And then my mom and dad got divorced and um, my mom raised, basically raised us, all four kids, basically, but almost by herself. <clears throat> So, so when you say, um, when we say church hurts, and if your dad was a pastor and they got divorced, church hurts had to be part of your life pretty early. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, there was long periods of time that I didn't see my dad. And, um, you know, that's why I say that my mom's the one who raised all four of us kids. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. And, and you know, I'm sure that it's affected my life in, in, I'm sure, many ways, but that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> well, some of it obviously had to be, Jeff, um, you had an eye for women from a fairly young age, but one caught your eye pretty young. Tell me about that. Well, it, I recognized her in junior high school when we were in junior high school and probably too scared to approach her. She's stunning, just so beautiful. She did the Farrah Fawcett thing too back then where she had the tubes. You could put a pencil down the side of her hair. But she was the most beautiful creature inside and out that I ever met. And and thank goodness I joined a band with her brother, Paul, uh, that played keyboards. So I got to see her more often. <laughs> and, uh, and Paul was just irritated how much I was paying attention to his little sister. But uh, yeah, it grew at a very young age uh, that, you know, I was immediately in love with her. I had to chase her down though. It was a pursuit, that's for sure. And she wasn't having it, but I wasn't, I wasn't gonna give up, so. You know, that reminds me, you know, my son and uh, my daughter, two years younger, when she went to high school, she said, Johnny, why, why doesn't anybody know you have a sister? <laughs> and, and she really wondered, everybody's like, I had no idea that, that Johnny had a sister and Johnny came clean with her a few years back. And he said, it's cause I didn't want any of my friends to date you. <laughs> that <laughs> so, sounds like Johnny. That definitely sounds uh, like Johnny. Yeah. So Paul, uh, Paul was protective of his, uh, little sister, but that didn't work. And you guys got married young. We and, did. Right? However, we dated for a very long time compared to most of our friends that got married, you know, out of high school. We dated seven years before we got married. And then we waited seven years to have kids. So and you found success in business pretty young. Tell me about that. Yes. Well, we um, started a janitorial service company. And uh, probably the easiest part for me about that was uh, you had to sell the service. And so we, we pretty quickly blew up that company and uh, to the point where we had uh, almost 200 people working for us. Uh, we grew very fast and we were in four states. And um, probably the biggest problem and, and maybe one of the negatives that I got from my dad is, uh, you know, my God at that time was money. And so I would work a hundred hours a week was not a problem for me. And I was gone two, two, two and a half weeks out of the month because we had places all over in four different states. So in, and we had probably some of our toughest times at that time, because mm -hmm. I couldn't understand 
you know, I provided as best I could. She drove the nice car at the point we were living at the beach on the water and all the things you think are successful. Um, until one time being gone for a two and a half week period of time, I came back and it was a wake up call for me and her both. And even Tanner, my son Tanner was two. And I came out and even though I was home periods of time, I wasn't really home. I'd get home when he was asleep. So came walking out of the back bedroom and it was the morning. I was so happy to be home. I just came off a 10 day trip and I was just burnt out. And we we're at the beach. It was beautiful. And I came out and Tanner was sitting in his high chair with uh, with Cheerios, I remember. And I, I, he saw me and got scared like he didn't recognize who I was. Me and Shannon took a long walk on the beach that day and said, what are we doing here? What, why are we? What, I'm turning into something I don't want to be. We fight all the time. And sure the business was great but it didn't matter if you're and tell me how does that relate to the there's a bomb that happened in your life early as well i think yes. you were only 22 was that around the same time 24 i know you were 22 because okay. we're similar in that regard with regarding our dad yeah because we got married when we were 22. yeah okay. we got married at 22 so, it's about so 24 what's the additional bomb business is going so great and yes. everything my dad committed suicide and he was the head of a large company and had um, about 400 million in property back then. That was a lot of property in the 80s, uh, 400 million in property all over the place. And my dad didn't, at the end, didn't trust many people. So um, he left it to me. And not only left it to me, but had specific designs how it would be taken care of because there was insurance money over two million dollars that was going to be paid out to me and he wanted certain things done with it my dad was my hero always has been but one of the things that um i see now is that his purpose for being alive was messed up and his purpose was business and making money for other people. He had investors all over the country. So when that purpose ended, because tax laws changed and all of a sudden he's not making money for other people, his purpose for living went away. And uh, that's probably the biggest thing that it took me a long time to figure out. I thought he was this hero for the longest time, but he didn't trust anybody else at that point. And so he, at 24, uh, I was mad that this business, I felt like it, it was a business decision to him. It wasn't something crazy. He looked at it as I can have this influx of capital will come into the company and, and fix things. That's how he looked at it. He didn't look at it as what his worth was. So I was incredibly angry. And then I was thrust into having to deal with it. And I think I was, I was going to say there's, there's two sides even for you now. So you have the personal side. My dad has just killed himself. I mean, I can't imagine the horrifying results. Yeah. It seems sometimes when we think of suicide, you know, for years and years, the church held the position, you know, in particularly in the Roman Catholic church that, you know, it was the sin you can't be forgiven of. Right. And I look back and I say, I wonder why you don't get that out of the Bible. And I thought, well, maybe it's a good deterrent. They don't want people out there killing right. themselves. Because when people get that desperate, 
they oftentimes, the pain is just so great. They can't handle it. Right. And yet here, what's left the pain that is caused to you, you have to deal with all that, you know, your, your debt and that, and kind of an embarrassment, humiliation side, but now you have to be the businessman saying dad got stuck. He wanted out. Right. What, what did you do with the money? It, it forced me to come back to the company and I had to leave my job. I had to uh, thrust myself back into that. And uh, in the middle of turmoil with a lot of people all over the place, I honestly think knowing my dad, how he was, I think he was in so much pain. I, I don't think he would have probably thought it through or understood what, how difficult it was going to be at 24 and I was angry. Well, just even personally. Yeah, just personally having come back into it. And I could care less about the money. The money came in. Everybody, so many family members, you can imagine. It was two million plus more millions. It was, you know, a lot of money. And I could care less about that money. That money to me was blood money. I, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And the quicker I could. And he left me a tape. What to do very logically how he wanted this taken care of. And of course, I had a lot of family members that thought, you know, forget that, you know, he did nothing wrong. This is an investment. You didn't say what you were doing. They're saying, forget what, but what were you doing? Well, giving, uh, giving the money back to the actual. Yeah, investors. I actually gave much of the money back, all, almost all of it to the investors. I took care of my brother. He had certain people that he, a certain amounts of money that he wanted to leave to other people. Yeah. So he made sure that was done, but then the rest of the money. And then the rest in. of it, I chose to do what he decided, he told me to do. And through that, that was the worst time of my life. That's when partying, drugs, everything came into that to kill the pain. And I was in a lot of trouble a couple of times, got, got thrown in jail in the middle of court because as I tried to assault the other, <laughs> did some I'm stupid things, now, but, you was know. leaving the attorney's office and was in tears, was dressed up in a suit and a police officer pulled me over and because I had been crying, thought yeah. I was on drugs and gotten an altercation with him and ended up over the hood of my car and ended up in jail again. So it was, it was not a good time for a lot of reasons. And, uh, you know, Drinking and drugs was the easiest way to kill that pain and everything else. Before we jump into that, and we're going to, and there, there's some good news coming up, but let me just take a break yeah. um, and mention Standing Stone. Uh, Jeff and Shannon are great supporters, and um, but in Standing Stone is an organization I work for and partner with where we deal with frontline workers in the spiritual world, pastors, missionaries. Um, folks who are dealing with uh, real issues uh, kind of like this in daily life with people. And sometimes they get discouraged themselves and real discouraged. And that's what I do. I work with those folks and encourage them, give them a listening ear and arm to lean on. And I'd just ask that you might consider today joining my support team um, to continue this work so we can continue to do it. And even on the podcast here, help us be able to continue to get the message out on the radio and through the podcast. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. I'd encourage you, go to churchhurtsand.org, and it'll tell you right there how to sign up, and there's a little donate button. And if you have any questions, just write us. We'd love to hear from you and hear your story. 
Now, having said that, back to you, Jeff, you mentioned drugs and and alcohol, and you're numbing some pain. Shannon, what was it like? You have a workaholic husband. He's lost his father. He starts escaping. You have three kids. Tell me about it. Well, <laughs> as you know, we've had lots of conversations over the amount of time. Um, it was tough. You know, I, here we have our own business, and and, you know, there's days when, he would say he would be doing something and then before you know it his phone goes off and you know i i have to do what i have to do i have to feed my kids i have to get them to school i have to do all the things that i normally do and run a business you know so i had to pick up where all that was left off things went through the cracks there but you know what it was what it was at that point but one thing you thought you could do, um, you you ended up getting um, involved in a church, and you'd always ask him to come, and you'd kind of given up hope. In fact, you'd kind of given up hope on him. I prayed a long, I prayed for a long time, long, long, long time. You know, and it, and it happened to be the church where I was the pastor. And tell me from your perspective, what was it like the day on a Sunday where he actually said, I'm going to come to church? It was funny because I didn't believe him. You know, I'm like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll come. I'll come. I'm like, okay, well I'm going, so you can come with me if you want, you know, and that's kind of sort of how it was, you know, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but then I told him, yeah, it's really casual. It's no big deal. You know, it's, you know, it's in a building in a park, you know, jeans, whatever. It's totally fine. But he thought of, he's like, oh no, he had a wholly different opinion on going to church. All right. Let's get it. Let's get it from you, Jeff. <laughs> I grew up sitting with my brother in matching suits at Baptist churches with my dad playing piano. And then going on, because he was successful at that, playing and being in big churches in front of a lot of people and um, seeing, seeing church through the eyes of that and seeing the back, back of church that was problematic, to say the least, that so many people were put on a pedestal and to see them fall. So I had a very different impression at church growing up in the middle, kind of in the middle of it that it was a show and, and that it wasn't, um, it wasn't genuine. I, I didn't buy it. And, um, and then maybe just everything with my dad going through with what I went through with my dad, I, I had a very sour taste. I was mad at God. God sure. ticked me off. The first time I went, I was dressed, of course, in a shirt and tie, like you're supposed to, to go to church. And I met you and you threatened to cut my tie off, which I went, wow. And you were a big part of that, John. You um, you worked on me hard to get me going to church. And then knowing that I played drums, get me involved in church, getting back playing drums again, and fell in love with something that I'd forgotten about long before, and fall in love with the little church in the park and the people that were involved in it. So, so we kind of need a warning. I feel like we need a warning sign. I, I remember 
you know, oftentimes a stereotype of church in, in certain churches, it's true. It's they're filled with women. Right. And that can kind of be true. I see in other places in the world, but I know in my churches, oftentimes you'd have women saying that I really wish my husband would come. And I know that's a stereotype and that's politically incorrect, but what else is new? And, and, I, but I want to say warning, 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 because the next thing you might get is my husband's not around. He's at church all the time. And <laughs> that kind of happened to you. It did. We got you into playing drums in church and you and I ended up become, you ended up becoming the guy who was the best friend of the pastor, which was really weird to some of your relatives going, yeah. really what's going on here. But you still had a secret that had to get dealt with. Tell me about that. Cause it was a big one. Yeah, it was, uh, when the pain would seep in and I never properly dealt with how my dad died and how that went down. I, I, for me, the escape would seep back into it. I thought at least I was pretty good at hiding it to most, most, you know, people didn't know, but it was uh, a way for me to retreat and uh, kill the pain for a while. It never obviously works. But it was temporary, and uh, you know, it would be. These were not happy times. These were not good experiences. These were, you know, whatever way to deal with killing what you were feeling at the time. That was it. Well, this this is really almost too vulnerable. Um, but reality is, you know, at that point, as your friend. And as one Shannon would call when you disappear for a couple of days. And I, you know, and I remember saying, Shannon, you know, kind of got to tell the kids. And I remember you saying, oh my gosh, I'll die. And in, in fact, when, and, and then she did, and that was a lot of years ago. And, yeah. and Shannon, you got your husband back, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. It wasn't immediate, but he came home and I looked at him and Sam, Sam wasn't old enough to really understand the whole thing. So I just pulled the boys aside and I said, this is when your dad goes away and you ask me where he is. And I don't, I just don't say much in response to them. I said, this is what dad's doing. I said, don't say anything to anybody, but I want you to know. You don't need to be telling a teacher or whatever, but you as a family member, when dad does this, this is what he's doing. And he came home and I remember I walked down the hall and looked him straight in the eye and I said, I told the boys. And he just stood there and looked at me and I just kept walking on. And I let him stew with whatever he needed to stew with. And we had a talk later because obviously I was extremely upset, like angry at him for doing what he did, obviously, right? Um, and leaving me with the business and leaving me with all the things, all the big responsibilities that I had to do. And it wasn't immediate, um, but it got lesser and lesser and lesser. Um, it took me a long time to trust him in regards to leaving the house. Yeah. Leaving the house or or not being able to get a hold of him. That was a big trigger for me. Like, why aren't you answering your phone? You know, why, why you know, those kind of things, you know, I mean, obviously, but it's been I don't know, over 20 years now. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, 
you know, it's weird now because he's going out. We normally sit in the same room and work for for years and years and yeah. years. It's just now that he's got the manufacturing sort of side of things that he's actually leaving the house. And so it's just it's just really quiet here in the office. Let, let me let me just say this, Shannon. You know, the secrets in families, every, you know, like every family has a secret and how damages it could be, but how courageous you were to say, I'm gonna kind of break this cycle. And on the other hand, Jeff, I look at Jeff, who you've become in business. And in your family, and I'll just say to you guys as a couple, because we could just talk all day and I, I, I have to wind us up, but to say, I know very few people who have the kind of deep love relationship you guys have. I mean, you, you see it in the way you look at each other always, even back then it was true, but you won't stop loving each other. And Shannon, you didn't give up on him when a lot of people were telling you give up on him. And Jeff, you've become a, such a leader. I'd love to hear, I'd love to tell the stories of the guys you've gotten started in business who work for you. And you said, yeah. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some money and let you start your own business yeah. and the people who want to be your friend and they just can't, you know, there's not enough, but let, let me let you guys brag just for a second, because you've, you know, in the recovery world, there's a lot of people go into recovery centers and they know the date and the time and all you didn't, you already had a God, you know, I mean, you, you had a relationship with Jesus and you finally said, you get the drug side, you get my marriage, you get my kids, you get, you get all of it. I'm not going to hold this part back anymore. Right. It came down to me weeping and praying. And it was a moment that I made a promise to God and, um, that's when it changed. And um, I hadn't broke that promise. So I said, I, I, I just said, I can't be that person anymore. And that was, that's when I knew there was a God. Because, <laughs> uh, guys, I'm going to say a few words before we close, but just. I love your story, the grace, the healing. Um, we're part of living the and life here. It's church hurts and we don't have time to tell of, of Tanner's wedding the other day and just <laughs> good things that have come about. But let me just say this. I don't have many occasions where I'm asked for references these days, but if I had one, I'd be sneakingly honest. I like to do that on forms. When people are expecting you to be hiding something, I enjoy putting down something that would reveal more truth than anyone would guess. Why does he have the owner of a carpet and duct cleaning company on here? They might ask. Answer, because if you pursue it, he knows my secrets. Why would I risk that? The things these guys could tell about me. Answer because I trust Jeff Bryant, even with my secrets. One day, Jeff and I were talking on his embarrassingly messy back porch. There's a whole story we didn't go into, but Mr. Cleaner loves to blame his wife for everything. So even the back porch was messy because it was her fault. I would roll my eyes and I was still drinking back then. And so I'm sure I had a cold beer in my hand. But we didn't need that to get honest. 
parallels in our lives started to come together, not the least of which was that we had both been forced to grow up quickly, losing our fathers at a similar age, both of them being 52. His father took his own life. My father poured his into a bottle. Both are tragic in very similar ways, yet the sadness and the camaraderie of our shared pain, we were both filled with thankfulness. Somehow we know, knew that we were going to travel a different path and encourage one another along the way. So over the years, we've laughed a lot. And we've cried together more than either one of us hoped would happen. Life can be rough, no doubt. Yet in the midst of it all, we've been able to share in something else because we met another son who introduced us to his father, who was in the adoption business. The son's name was Jesus, and his father told us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We signed up. It's worth a thought. For Church Hurts and this is John Bash. Go and enjoy God today, won't you? Well, that was worth a thought for sure, and brings us to the end of this edition of Church Hurts and. Next week, it's rumored we'll be walking on the edge of controversy, stirring the pot of denial, and finding movement of the divine. Our host, Dr. John Bash, is a shepherd with Standing Stone, a nonprofit ministry committed to caring for pastors and Christian leaders at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. Come visit us at churchhurtsand.org. Tell us your story while you're there. Until then, remember, Church Hurts isn't the end of the story. Now go into the end and enjoy God today, won't you?